For over 25 years, one social enterprise has been helping women, often with histories of addiction and incarceration, move from dependency to self-reliance by focusing on one primary tool of social change, jobs. Welcome to In the Business of Change, where we speak with social entrepreneurs and other change makers impacting their communities and the world. I'm your host, Elisa Birnbaum, publisher and editor-in-chief of Sea Change Magazine. On today's episode, we speak with Tamara Ryan, CEO of Denver-based Women's Bean Project, which was founded in 1989, way before social enterprise was even trendy, with the foundational belief that jobs are the main weapons in the war against poverty and incarceration. Since that time, the social enterprise has given over 800 women transitional jobs in gourmet food manufacturing, along with a host of support services and training in job and life skills. I've been on your site looking around and um, truly impressed with everything that's going on, all that you're doing. This this organization has been around a long, long time. Um, I know. We were um, social enterprise before it was cool. I know. I was going to say that. That would, took the words out of my mouth, actually, because uh, that was way before it was cool. And uh, Yeah. <laughs> What I like to, what I often say is that it's like we've been wearing a velour tracksuit, you know, <laughs> since 1989, and now velour tracksuits are in. <laughs> That's awesome. So it actually started, if I'm not mistaken, I think I saw on your site 1989. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Out of curiosity, I mean, has that mission, and you can, I was going to ask you what the mission is, but I, I just was curious whether that mission has remained the same. Has it evolved? That's a long time. And wondering if it's there for the same purpose, the same vision has remained sort of constant or has it evolved? Mm-hmm. So maybe that would be my first question I throw at you. Sure. Well, you know, I'd say that one of the, it, one of the things I'm proud of is that we've stayed true to the original mission. Okay. I think how we go about fulfilling that mission has evolved, but uh, being very clear on helping women learn the skills that they need to get and keep mainstream employment has not changed um, okay. from from the very beginning. And I, what has what has changed is that when we were started, we were very much a mission that happened to have a business. It was like this thing that was done on the side. Right. And what we are today is a business with a mission. And so the better the business does, the more women can be served. And there's, you know, everyone understands that there is a relationship between those two things. Absolutely. So that, that took a while. Got it. Well, it often does. It often does. So that makes sense. Um, And let's take an even further step back for those um, who would be listening to the podcast and want to know more about what the Women's Bean Project is altogether. Why don't you just give me, um, you know, the the few words of what exactly it is and how, or maybe more than a few words, and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, what exactly you are, you're doing. There seems to be a few things going on. Well, uh, we are a gourmet food manufacturer. Mm Mm-hmm that makes a line of food products that started with bean soup. So that's the genesis of our name. That's Hence why we're called bean. Women's Bean Project. Got yep. it. Yeah. And we today make about 35 different food products that we distribute all across the U.S. Mm. and through, online with some of the country's largest retailers. And for us, we believe that all women have the power to transform their lives through employment. 
Right. So we hire women who, have chronic, who are chronically unemployed and we teach them the skills of working, both the soft skills and the actual skills of working on a production line mm-hmm. in a food manufacturing environment. We teach them by making the products that are part of our business. And, and as a result of the work with us, they learn basic job readiness skills. Like you have to come to work every day and on time and take direction and pay attention to detail. But then they also learn soft skills like problem solving, goal setting, budgeting and planning and organizing. And that they, they work for us for six to nine months. Mm -hmm. And at the end they go on to what we call a career entry level job in the community. So that's a job with an opportunity for advancement and benefits and, you know, frankly, where the employer is going to care that she shows up every day, right. which is going to be different from any job she's ever had. A typical woman we hire hasn't had a job longer than a year in her lifetime, though the average age is 38. Mm-hmm. So it gives you a sense of, yeah. of, of the need. You know, it's women who have histories of incarceration, almost always related to addiction. Um, It's women who have been spent many years on welfare um, and often are repeating a cycle. And how do they come to you? Who who uh, sort of refers them or is it a referral program? How how does that work exactly? Well, number one, referral sources, other women who have been in our program. And that's one of the advantages of having been around for 28 years is um, I suppose is that we've served multiple generations of the same family. So we'll have a woman and her cousin and her aunt and her sister and her mother, you know, over time. And um, then also it's treatment programs and halfway houses and um, judges or parole officers. It might also be a shelter that refers a woman, you know, um, homelessness or incarceration, those are often symptoms of a problem. Mm-hmm. And when you dig down, one of the key things that, that, that will help change all the other things is getting and keeping a job. Right. And that element of getting and keeping a job and that being primary in, in, in your belief uh, of the organization, that at the sort of the center of the organization, that has always been there too, right? So the founder of the organization believed in that. Is that, is that true? <laughs> Yes, what she saw, so she was getting her master's in social work. She'd gone back to school in her late 50s. Uh And she, um, as a part of getting her MSW, she was embedded in an organization. And what she saw, this was a daytime homeless shelter for women and kids. So by definition, these women didn't have employment Mm -hmm. and they needed a place to go during the day. And what she saw was that while the shelter kept the women safe, it really didn't help them get out of the cycle that they were in because they'd, She'd see these women, she'd help them, they'd go on to a job, and then the same women kept coming back over and over again. Right. So she thought, if I could teach these women to work by actually working, that would be the cure for poverty. So she noticed that a lot of her friends at the time were eating bean soup. She invested $500 of her own money and bought beans (laughs) and put two women to work. Love it. Making Tony's 10 bean soup. That was our original product. (laughs) So the, the, you know, I think um, when I mentioned earlier that we have stayed true to that original mission, that is very much true. We are teaching the women the skills of working by actually working. And we're doing it in in both a manufacturing operation, but also by creating what we call a safe and accepting work environment. It doesn't really matter why someone is here. Mm -hmm. What matters is what she's focused on for her future. So you know, one person might be here because she spent 20 years in prison. Another woman might be here because she just got out of an abusive relationship. 
Um, you know, it, no one woman's reason is any better or worse than another. What really matters is where she wants to go. Right, right. Um, at any one period, you said it's a six to nine month program. Is, is there an average number of women that are, are typically uh, accepted into the program? So we hire every eight weeks. Okay. And we we determine the number of women we'll, we'll hire each eight weeks on how many women we have currently in the program as well as what we anticipate our business needs to be. Okay. We are at about capacity um, typically at about 40 women. Uh-huh. Right now, um, you know, bean soup is a very seasonal product. And so uh, most of our sales happen, uh, in the winter season. So right now we, um, on Monday we have, uh, 10 women starting and we'll be at 23, I think on Monday. And so it, it ebbs and flows based on our business needs. And then based on when women are, uh, getting their jobs out in the community. Um, so every, every couple of months we're having new, uh, a new group come in and it's probably anywhere as few as five women and as many as 15 would okay. start every eight weeks. Every eight weeks. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And how do you measure uh, the social impact? I, how Do you keep in touch with the women who have mm-hmm. sort of graduated? I don't know if you use the word graduate, but, but do you? We do. do. You, okay. So how do you measure it and how do you keep in touch with them? And... Well, there's a few metrics we're, uh, we're trying to achieve. And uh, we start out. Uh, we have a, a goal at the end that she will have achieved comp- basic competencies in terms of her life skills and her job readiness skills. And uh, there is a basically a checklist of competencies. And those are things like problem solving and goal setting and budgeting and planning and organizing and computer skills, but also attendance, punctuality, attention to detail, conflict resolution. Wow. When she's achieved those, she's yeah. eligible for graduation. Okay. Then, uh, or really to start her job search. And then when she finds her job in the community, what we call a career entry level job, mm-hmm. she will graduate our program. Then we um, incentivize her to check in with us at six months and one year. Okay. And we pay $50 for her to check in oh. each time. Right. And that gives us the ability then to, uh, to know, um, to check in and make sure, you know, she might need help with finding housing or something like that, right. but it also allows us to know whether or not she's still employed. So, um, at about 70% of the women graduate our program, mm-hmm. they all go on to jobs, hundred wow. percent job placement. And at one year, 93% of these formerly chronically unemployed women are still employed. That's amazing. So those are the kinds of, those are the numbers that matter to us. Yeah. And, you know, not only did she finish the program and did she get a job, but really, you know, a year later, this population of women who've never held a job for a year, does she still have a job? That's amazing. And how is it that they all get jobs? Do you help them in that, uh, find the jobs too? Are you? Well, we connect them with resources. We, we have employers who come to us often uh-huh. and, um, with openings and there might be employers who have hired our graduates before. We're always connecting with employers in the community because we we need the employers to tell us what kind of skills they're looking for. Right. So there's a you know it's a two way uh, street in terms of getting the feedback. But then um, getting the job, um, we'll we'll prepare her, help her prepare her resume. We'll help her prepare for the interviews. Um, but getting the job is her responsibility. Okay. Okay. But so you're giving her we, the tools, give, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And the reason, you know, that, that idea is really fundamental to our philosophy. 
whether it's the next job or housing, getting those things is her responsibility. We're going to connect her with the resources in the community to allow her to do that. Mm -hmm. The, The idea of that is that if we got her the next job, she'd get one job. But if she does it for herself, she could do that over and over and over again. And that's what we're trying to do. We don't want her to be dependent on us. Got it. Okay. Um, And how long have you been at the organization? Uh, Almost 14 years. 14 years. So you've been there a long time. Um, It does sound like a long time when you say it that way. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't it feel like it or has it gone pretty fast, I guess? Um, You know, (laughs) it, it... I would say that each year feels different than the prior year. Ah. And because there are always new women coming in, um, then it, it doesn't feel the same. We've made, we've, we've changed dramatically since I started. Um, we, you know, when I started, we were a relatively small organization Mm -hmm. and now I'd say we're kind of a medium sized organization. Um, and, uh, we are on the, you know, the verge of pretty explosive growth now. And, and so it's, it's never dull. And every day it's like coming to work, trying to figure out how to solve, solve a puzzle <laughs> because the mission and the business really, you know, frankly, don't work that well together on the surface. You know, it, it's a horrible way to run a manufacturing operation, you know, hire people. You don't know if they're going to come every day right? and then teach them the skills and make them great workers. And then you let them and leave. Then let them go. Right. Yeah. And you start all over again, <laughs> right. over and over and over. That's a tough It's a little model. bit like Sisyphus. Yeah. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and yet you're still doing it and that way. Yeah. Well, you know, in your lifetime, I think you're really lucky if you find a job where you get to see the impact of what you're doing. Yeah. And um, it, you don't always even get to see that in, you know, in human services organizations. But, you know, I get to go to come to work every day and watch a woman from, you know, the first day she walks in the door and maybe won't look me in the eye or maybe comes across as angry and defensive. Mm-hmm. And then literally over, you know, what I would say is a relatively short amount of time, she she blossoms and becomes what I think is the woman she was meant to be. Hmm. but she just didn't have the, the, the confidence or yeah. the tools to become that. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. And I think the most yeah. significant thing that happens for a woman, you know, I talked about the statistics, but probably the most significant thing that happens is that she graduates here believing she's worthy of a better life. Yeah. I don't know how you measure that, but you sure know it when you see it. It's huge. It's huge for sure. Um, and in terms of, you mentioned that you went from when you first came on, it was a smaller business and now then it became what you would say middle and it's exploding. You use that chart or explosive growth is, is upcoming. Mm-hmm. Um, could you give any numbers? Like, is there a sure. uh, operating budget or anything like that? Any kind of numbers yep. that might, yeah. What would you say? Now? We're about a $2.2 million operation. Okay. And about 70% of that comes from the sale of our products, right? which is a lot of beans. I'm just going to say it is a and, lot of beans. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then we fundraise the, the remainder of our operating budget. Okay, so okay. we, um, through grants and donations, we don't have government dollars typically. Okay. Um, so we, um, you know, it's, it's, it's majority of sales and, and grants and donations. And then, um, uh, we, when I talk about explosive growth, yeah. we're, we're at, this year is a big year for us. We're changing our packaging. We're oh. doing a refresh on all of our packaging and updating our brand. And mm-hmm. it, it will allow us to uh, work better in grocery store 
um, opportunities. And so we have a lot of opportunity right now and with small to mid-sized grocers across the country. Right. So we're really focused on um, how to better distribute our products and and um, and more and more stores to carry our products. We're in about a thousand stores across the country right okay, now. I was going to ask you across that. Across the okay. U.S. Yeah. And then um, and then we work with uh, Amazon and Overstock and uh, Walmart.com. Yeah. And then you know of course our own website, which is womensbeanproject.com. Yeah. So we have pretty broad distribution, but. Um, we're only in 40 states, which leaves 10 more that we haven't penetrated yet. <laughs> so is that, is that the, the, the explosive growth you're referring to? Is it going to be because you're hoping to get into every state? You're hoping to get into more stores? Or is it just generally it's the, both. the rebranding? Yeah, it's, and Yeah, okay. It's, um, we're also introducing some new products that oh. are a little bit more consistent with, uh, with food trends today. Okay. So okay. we'll be inter- introducing popcorn with several flavors of spices that go on, on top. Oh. Uh, we'll be doing a beans and rice in a cup, several flavors of that, where nice. you add water and you let them um, steep. And like you know, then you have a meal. Yeah. And then we'll also be doing um, – we have baking mixes. We have cookie mix and brownie mix, and we're adding – a, what we call jam and biscuits. And it's a biscuit mix with an icebox jam mix. You just add water and cook it on the stovetop for five minutes and then bake the biscuits and you have those two to go together. That sounds delightful. Anything simple is, is delightful to me. So that's good. <laughs> You're not alone in that. <laughs> I had a feeling. Um, so you're going beyond, is there a lot of the products go beyond the bean as a, as the sort of the center uh, product? Like, mm-hmm. it, yeah. Okay. You're going beyond that. Right. The bean. Yeah. Well, the bean is, um, sort of the the foundation of what we do but it's also the bean is a great metaphor sure for growth and prosperity and um beans are a rotation crop so farmers plant beans to add nutrients back into the soil which um my background's marketing so i love that metaphor Mm. i love this idea that um that you know we're we're doing the same thing we're adding things you know nutrients so to speak back into the community by helping the women so um, that was the basis of how we started. Bean soup doesn't say summer, Lisa, it turns out. So oh, we uh... really tried to diversify <laughs> our product line so that we can have more sales year-round. Got it. Got it. And and just to, you touched upon something that I wanted to ask you as well, your background. So you you came from the marketing world. You didn't come from uh, social enterprise or anything uh, of this nature, did you? It's no. It's a different world, right? Well, yeah, I've, I have had a convoluted career. I have two science degrees, so I started oh. there okay. and um, thought I was going to be a researcher. But then fortunately, before it, got, it was too late, I realized that that didn't really suit my personality very well. <laughs> um, but it gave me the discipline that um, that maybe is can be cha- more challenging for a marketing person to have in terms right. of you know data analysis and things like that. And I've just had a lot of opportunity in my career. I've always work for small and startup companies. Okay. And so I, my involvement with the bean project began as a volunteer Oh. and I was, I just loved the business model and I didn't know what it was called yet, but I just knew that I love this idea that there was a business and the better the business did, the more women could be served. Right. And that, gosh, that, you know, is a really interesting way to do business. Yes. So I started volunteering on the sales and marketing committee and did that for about six months. And then the position of CEO came open and I thought I knew the perfect candidate 
and that was my friend Sarah. So I tried to talk her into applying for the job until, according to her, I went on and on for so long. She finally said, if you think it's so great, why don't you do it? <laughs> and so I, d- yeah. I applied at that point, and uh, obviously the rest is history. Yeah. Um, and so, I, you know, just something I've, because of your background, it, it comes from a different place. I'm, I'm interested in how that sort of the balance of – of, of, you know, uh, a social business with a, with like a social mission and a profitability mm-hmm. and all the rest of it. Was that hard for you to sort of, um, you know, uh, approach or, or to adopt into your thinking into your, you know, how you approach a business? I mean, it is that balance is something new, right? Um, well, yeah. Or, or doing, um, I guess running the business well, for a higher purpose right, than right. just shareholder value. I, so I would say, you know, you have to run a great business regardless. And so a lot of what I focused on when I first arrived 14 years ago was making a better business and, uh, you know, documenting protocols and, and, um, and, you know, making sure that we could be, uh, certified in, for food safety and, you know, right. we, that we were running a good business and we had a really strong handle on cost of goods and, yeah things that the organization really hadn't had the discipline for before. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, a lot of those same principles ended up needing to be applied to our program operations as well. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first started, women would stay for sort of an indefinite period of time, and maybe the program objectives weren't particularly clear. Right. And so I suggested that we look at, um, you know, if a woman graduates our program, and is successful. We say she, you know, hit it out of the ballpark. What does that look like? Right. And then we need to develop a, a basically a checklist of things. What characteristics does she have? And then develop a program to get us there. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's a principle that that you know I apply whether it's strategic planning for our business or you know how does our program need to be developed? You start with the end in mind. Right. Because if you don't know where you're going, you'll never know if you get there. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And so, and so I, you know, it's not as dissimilar as you might think. I think the what I've learned um, and perhaps had to be had to develop is um, perhaps more compassion and empathy than I than might have been necessary in many of my business, mm. you know, pure business situations. Right. Um, but ultimately, you know people rise to the highest level of lowest expectation. So if we're not, you know, holding them to a standard, then they're not going to rise to a high standard right. and that's going to not be great for them. And it's not going to be great for the next employer. Absolutely. So I, yeah. I, I think we need to demand, you know, more from our employees, whether they're in a social enterprise or not. Agreed. Agreed. I was also, I watched one your TEDx talk. Um, I forget when that was a couple of years ago now, I guess. Is that mm-hmm. And yes. you were mentioning how you gave examples of some of the profiles of the women that had come through. Um, and you said that typically in, in your past life, uh, so to speak, you, you may not have hired them. You may not have actually, you know, uh, uh, looked at their resumes and said, yeah, these are right for us. Um, and, and now you look at them a little bit differently. Um, Absolutely. These are women who on paper, um, most employers wouldn't want to give them a chance. Yeah. And you know, they, they have histories of addiction and, you know, and, and felony convictions. And, you know, all, if you, all you did was look at their backgrounds, there would be no reason to hire them. And, and we help, can help bridge that gap by, right. by coming to our program. We can help her, A, develop a resume and develop the skills that, she, that would give her 
the opportunity to be hired by an employer. And the fact that she comes from our program Mm -hmm. gives her the additional credibility. Mm -hmm. But without um, a program like ours, it's very challenging for a woman with the kind of background that we we hire here to even, you know, get any kind of attention from a prospective employer, particularly one that's going to value her and provide benefits and opportunities for advancement. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, And I just want to touch upon one other thing you you kind of did already, but talking about the the challenges. So, um, and and you did touch upon, I'm just wondering if there's any, the primary challenges that you are currently facing um, with this type of model, with this business, anything that comes up. um, I'm curious about that. What would you say? Well, so the interesting thing about our business is that the more efficient we become, the fewer employees we need, (laughs) which is counter to the point of the mission, you know, but, and and yet at the same time, we have to manage our costs so that we can sell the product for a reasonable, uh, you know, a reasonable amount because people won't just pay a premium because of the mission. The product has to be great. You know, it, we're, we can't command a higher price just because we're helping people. Absolutely. So, so we have to um, have a really strong handle on costs and be a very efficient business. And yet, at the same time, there is some irony there because that may mean that we need, you know, five yeah. fewer women. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Um, and how? And so, uh, and yet, running a better business is the right thing to do. Yeah. So then, you know, it's so it's. I think the biggest challenge is really just trying is always trying to manage those two yeah. uh, competing interests. You know, yeah. there's a tension that exists every day between the business and the mission. Yeah. You know, we um, you know, to the extent that we control anything, we control eight hours a day, and that leaves 16 other hours in every day where the wheels could totally fall off for a woman. Hmm. And when we and if we don't control that, and she might not have the skills to manage that herself, and so we could have invested a whole bunch in, in someone and helping her. And yet we can't help her get over, you know, those obstacles that occur. Right. You know, that maybe her significant other gets out of prison, comes back to her, or, um, you know, she just doesn't have the skills to handle, um, the stress. So many factors. And, yeah. Yeah. There's just a, a million different things that could happen that don't really have anything to do with the work that we're trying to do, but yet affect the work that we're trying to do. Absolutely. But I wouldn't do it any other way. I I have to say that I it's you know despite my background in just you know sort of in for profit business, I can't imagine going back to it now. Yeah, no, I can understand that, and yeah, I can sense I can sense that passion is there. Um, so I totally appreciate that. What about um, partners, supporters? Um, you said you kind of you did touch upon this too. I just want to make sure we covered it all. Um, you you say that. Um, you don't have government funding typically, right? Correct. Okay. Very little of our dollars. So we might have, in certain instances, we might have workforce development dollars. So okay. someone who's try, trying to transition out of welfare into work the workplace, we might receive um, a subsidy of her wages for a period of time. Mm-hmm. It never covers her her whole the whole cost of, um, or it never entirely covers her wages, but there might be some subsidy. Our, our the, what's been important to us is not to become dependent on those dollars. Yes, because you know to really be able to maintain our independence mm-hmm. through product sales and um, and individual giving. You know, we have lots and lots of 
partners at many different levels in the community mm-hmm. um, and across the countries. And it, it, it's, we try to be very creative with those partnerships to try to bring resources into the organization. So in a year, we'll have 300 volunteers wow. who help us in a variety of different ways. And almost all of our classes in terms of program activities are led by volunteers. So we might have a, a tech company come in and teach computer class and they will have they will have donated to us and then they'll bring a dozen employees in to teach a computer class series. Right. Or we'll have a bank come in and teach financial literacy, you know, employees from a bank. And so we try to be, again, very creative with how we um, form partnerships. Yeah. Every woman receives a mentor and which is a one-on-one relationship with an individual from the community who agrees to meet with her through her whole program tenure for an hour a week and then follow up, help us with follow up after she's left and gone on to her next job. And, uh, and so there's so many ways that, um, people can partner with us. And, um, Rediff right now is one of our, our, um, partners, um, some of the funds are originate through the social innovation fund and those dollars are really, um, helping us when I talk about we're poised for explosive growth, it's because we're using those dollars from Rediff to invest in product development and mm-hmm. invest in changes to our packaging and really help us figure out how to scale yeah. our operations. So you are looking to scale, uh, still in the same uh, city or, or state, uh, state, sorry, or do you want to scale even like larger to other, to other places, other locations? Well, call me in September and I'll tell you. <laughs> that's, that's the task this year is to figure that out. Okay, okay. But scaling <laughs> as a possibility is on your, is on your to-do yes. list. Try, okay, okay. Well, there are different ways, we different ways scaling could look yes. for us. You know, it, it could be that we have additional locations in Denver right. and it could be that we decide to move to other cities where the need is, is, is just as great. Right. You know, historically we've turned away four out of five qualified applicants. Oh, So we're not even beginning yet to meet the demand in, in this community. Right. And what I've said to our team and what is driving our current strategic plan is that we need to hire every woman who needs us. And so let's figure out what our business needs to look like in order for that to happen. Mm-hmm. And then the second part of that is that when we hire a woman, we need to ensure that our services are so effective and far-reaching, she's the last in her family to need us. Right. Because in 20 years, otherwise we'll be serving the daughters of the women we serve today. And I don't think that should be okay with us. I think we should be coming to work every day trying to put ourselves out of business. Yes, yes, agreed, agreed. Uh, anything else that you wanted to say? Anything that, uh, I guess, for people who are looking to run a 25-plus year social enterprise? <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to start somewhere. Uh, you know, one, one of the things I often say is that, you know, we've been doing it for 28 years, and so we could save you about at least 20 years of mistakes. Uh, I think that now there is a lot more information. Yes. Um, available just by looking at other what or, other organizations are doing. And yeah. in my experience, um, our uh, field, for lack of a better thing to call it, mm. um, is really pretty generous with um, sharing um, sharing information mm. and and um, you know trying to be pretty transparent about how we do what we do. Yep. And so I would you know I would say, um, it's a great way to, to start an organization to meet a need, 
But if you don't have a business, um, uh, a, a viable business, yeah. then you're not, you know, it's not going to be able to survive. And so right. the, the, the business concept is really, um, pretty fundamental. And I think often when we're looking to start a, a social enterprise, more often than not, we come at it from a social standpoint first. Yes. And there's no lack of social need. It is, but that social need and doing good work does not forgive a poor business model. Yes. Amen. Yes. <laughs> Agreed. A thousand times over. It's, it's, it's a, uh, it's a common refrain, but, uh, yes. <laughs> I'm just beating the drum just like everybody else. But this is good because it's, it's a very important lesson that many have learned the hard way, unfortunately. Um, and so, yeah. it's well, you learn know. more from failure, don't you? You do. You do. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that's wonderful. I thank you so, so much for taking the time to chat with me. I really, really appreciate it. Well, it's my pleasure. It's nice to talk with you. Thank and you. if your listeners uh, would like any more information about us, we can be found at womensbeanproject.com. Perfect. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to In the Business of Change. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to hear other conversations with inspired social entrepreneurs and change makers working on challenges in their communities and across the globe. I'm your host, Elisa Birnbaum.